are welcome in this place. Lord, we thank you that you are indeed here. So God, we just we throw away the distractions. We throw away the things, Lord God, that are on our minds. The things that we have to do, the things that we have done, the things that didn't go right, the things that have gone right. Lord, we ask that you would be here, that you would speak to us, that you would change us. That, God, you just wouldn't make us feel good, but that, God, you would make an eternal difference in our life. So, Lord God, today we've sung the words. And so, Lord, now we say them. you're welcome here. You're welcome to do what you need to do within us. If, if we need to get rid of stuff, if we need to let things go, if we need to do something, Lord God, we welcome you in our lives. We welcome you to speak to us, to prompt us, to move us, to change us. Drench our lives today, Lord. So God, as we get ready to hear your word, Lord, I just pray that you would open our ears you would take the blinders off of our eyes and that we would see, we would hear the word. But God, we would do so much more that we would be doers. And that, Lord Jesus, you would have your way in this place today. For we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. moment. Don't get antsy. Just take this moment and welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. Give him permission to shake things up in you. Wonderful being to be in the presence of the Lord. It's so sweet. There's nothing like it. So, Father, I just pray that that Lord, as we listen to your word, Lord, that we would continue to know your presence. We would continue to listen to your spirit. 
to be aware of it. so wonderful when the Lord is, his presence is so real and so true in the, in the service. It's just great. It's so great that you're here today. I hope that you are excited to be in the house of the Lord. You, you braved the weather. You didn't let that stop you or your screaming children like I had today. And uh, it's just wonderful that we can come and be with one another and to be with the presence of the, the Lord. Have you ever uh, waited for something or wondered if it would ever come? My youngest, he loves doing that. He loves waiting. He really doesn't, but he Everything is a wait for him. So everything is how many more sleeps? How many more sleeps until vacation? And then when we're on vacation, how many more sleeps until hockey? And then when we're at hockey, how many more sleeps until my birthday? How many more sleeps? How many more sleeps? He's always looking for the promise that is to come. The disciples had to wait for the promise to come as well. And once this promise came, their landscape and that of the church changed forever. Most of us know the story, but I'm just going to give you a really quick synopsis or brief summary of what it is. Jesus tells his disciples after he has died and rose again, he tells his disciples to go to, to Jerusalem to wait, to wait for the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit was, was going to be given to the disciples in the famous passage that we as Pentecostals love, or should, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, and into the othermost parts of the earth. The disciples then, they watch Jesus go up into heaven, and after some prodding, they get told to get to Jerusalem because that is what Jesus told them to do. And they waited. They gathered together, and the Bible says about 120 were together. And we're not really sure 100% where they are. Some people believe, or some scholars believe they were in the same room that Jesus and his disciples had the Passover meal at before he was crucified. Others feel that the 120 were waiting in the temple in one of the other courts. Um, we don't really know for sure, but we do know that they waited, and we do know that they were praising God and praying together. Finally, in Acts 2, we see the fulfillment of this promise. Things happened there. There was the sounds, like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And we sang that song today, and it's, that's, that portion of the song comes from this, from this passage where, where we hear the sound of the mighty wind. And then something appeared on top of the people like tongues of fire. And then the people spoke in different languages that they had never heard or learned before. This caused quite a stir in the city, so much so that the people around the 120 were wondering what on earth is going on. In fact, they began to speculate and thought that perhaps they were drunk. So Peter took charge, he spoke up to the crowd, and he explains to them what was going on. And he quotes this passage in Acts 2.14. And that's where we're going to look today. Sorry, Acts 2.17. My, my bad. Sorry. 
Acts 2.17. And it's, um, he, he, he quotes this, and this is actually a direct quote from the prophet Joel. So let's read it together. Acts 2.14. To, uh, 17. Oh, sorry. Don't worry. I've got it under control. I'll get it under control. I really did have a very bad morning, so you have to all give me some grace. 18. 14 to 18. You have to actually use your Bible today because I don't have it on PowerPoint, so sorry about that. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Lord, we just ask that you would bless the reading of your word as we continue to look at it together, and that you would just speak to us today. Amen. The promise of the Holy Spirit was originally given back to the Jewish nation in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. In fact, it is basically the exact repeat of the original prophecy. We have been talking about the promises of God to the believers today. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is one of those promises that is truly amazing and often misunderstood. And we're going to look at three aspects of this promise together today. The first one is that it said in the last days. The prophecy begins in the last days in verse 17. When we read this passage, our mind usually goes to in the end of the world. We think of destruction and the world blowing up and all this other stuff, depending on what you have seen or haven't seen as a child. And so we read this passage, and this is what comes to mind. However, for the Jewish nation, when they heard the words, in the last days, it usually is speaking of the fact that this is when the time that the Messiah is going to show up. It's a clue for the people to listen and to look around because the Messiah is on the scene. It's the time when the waiting for the promised one is done. The deliverer is here. So when the Messiah comes, we're told that the Holy Spirit will come upon his people. It will be the last great revelation of the divine that the people have been waiting for for so long to experience. It will encourage them to bring comfort and to preserve the people in times that are tough. Regardless of what may come, they could have hope because the Messiah was coming. And during the time of Joel in the Old Testament, when this statement was said, in the last days, this was to give the people hope, even though their land was filled with drought and famine, and they needed to be delivered. Even though the days were dark and gloomy, the light was still coming, and they needed to hold on to that hope. Luke, the author of the book of Acts and the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. So if you're going to have a study on the Holy Spirit, you need to read both of those books in regard to that, it's trying to remind or show the people, in fact, the last days have arrived. The Messiah had come. The emptiness was over. The years of silence was done. God has spoken to his people yet again, and it was time to listen. 
The time of wondering if God was ever going to speak was over. And for Peter, he reminded the crowd that the days were indeed the last days, that it was indeed God speaking and the Messiah was here. It wasn't time to be afraid or silent. It was rather a time to be rejoicing and to be in victory. This statement was bringing to mind to the Jewish listeners that day of the Old Testament scriptures, which reminded them that the reign of the Messiah would actually would have no end. Christ's reign would be forever. In Luke 1.32, we are told he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Isaiah 9.7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it and with, with judgment and justice. From this time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We too are in the last days. We are in the days of the Messiah. He has come. And there are times, however, when we wonder, is our world really going to end? Are your coworkers, are your family, are your friends worried by what, what they see on TV? Are we worried about how we're going to pay our bills or how we're going to overcome an illness or a relationship issue? Do we look at our situations and we think, oh my goodness, it's truly the end of the world? Do those without Christ not think the same way? And yet we're told today by those two words in the last days, that we can have hope for the promise of the Holy Spirit has come. He brings life and hope. And in these last days, we can rest in that. The promised Holy Spirit has come to take up residence within us. This is not something to be afraid of. It is something to be rejoicing in. The Holy Spirit has come to help us. We don't need to do life alone. We don't, we don't need to try and flounder our way around. For the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, and he is guiding us, comforting us, and helping us. The Holy Spirit inside of us helps us in various ways. One, he, he helps us by knowing right from wrong. John 16, 7 to 8. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, who is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and, just, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is here to make us new inside. Titus 3, 4 to 6 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out onto us generously through Christ Jesus our Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He will never leave us. He is there to help us right by our side. It says in John 14, 17 to 18, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and he will be with you. I will never leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit helps us become more like Jesus by giving us the fruit of the Spirit, as seen in Galatians 5, 23. And finally, the Holy Spirit has come to give us power. He has come to give us the words to say, the things to speak when we speak to others about him. He has come to help us be his witnesses. Acts 1, 8, I've already said it. 
but we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit has come to give us power to pray for people and see them healed. He has come to prophesy through us so that we can say the words that he wants us to say, to tell others about the love of Jesus. Lots of times we have lots of excuses as to why we should not speak up, as to why we don't talk to, to others about Jesus. We think we're not qualified. We think that it's somebody else's job. But the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit has come because so that we can actually speak. The Holy Spirit has come in order so that we can tell others about Jesus. He has come to take the fear of speaking away. The Holy Spirit has come to give us life and hope in the last days. The second thing I want to draw your attention to is that God has promised to pour. Verse 17, it says, In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit. The word pour here is commonly referred to in the Bible in regards to blood or water. So here's one, a verse about water. Isaiah 57, 6 says, Among the smooth stones of the stream in your portion, they are, not, are your lot. Even to them, you have poured a drink offering. In Acts, it talks about how Stephen's blood poured out of him when he was martyred for the faith. The word pour is also used when we're talking about shedding of tears in Psalm 42.4. It says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. The word pour here in Acts 2.17 gives us an idea that one can communicate clearly and freely with the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 44.3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. In the last days, the Holy Spirit will pour out himself upon us. We will be drenched by him. I love having water fights if I'm the one holding the water. I love to encourage my children to hide in the backyard and then I lure my husband out when he gets home. And I say, come on out. It's beautiful out. Come and enjoy the day. We've missed you. That's my job. I lure him out. And then I signal for my boys to attack. And they attack him with water hoses and water balloons and water sponges. And it's truly wonderful. It is. You should try it, ladies. You should try it. It's very therapeutic. They drench him, and they do not stop until he is soaked. The hose is aimed squarely at him at full blast. And this is not just a little dripping. It's not just a little spill. This is a you-must-change-your-clothes kind of wedding. And it's really fun, like I said, to watch. In the Old Testament, we can see how the Holy Spirit interacted with his people. He rarely spoke directly to the people, the common person. Rather, he spoke to the prophets. And these prophets were the voice of the Lord relaying the message to God, from God to his people. They received these messages as small droplets falling on them, like a light sprinkle. It was merely a small squirt of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 2, however, we are reminded that the days of drops of God's presence is over. 
No longer do we need to be satisfied with the mere squirt of his presence. We can now have the Holy Spirit pour out on us in full stream, head on. And this isn't a little, oh, I literally must, a little tiny, let's change my life. This is a must change kind of experience. This is when you are drenched by the Holy Spirit, God will never allow your life to be the same. Your relationship with him becomes deeper. It becomes stronger. It becomes different. And this is what the Holy Spirit is all about. If you read the passage in Joel 2, you will see how the prophet is telling the people that wine and corn and oil is coming. And for the country that has been in captivity, this is amazing news. I mean, we've got food. We've got healing, which would be the oil. We've got, we've got wine, which is rejoicing. It's on its way. And yet, Joel does not stop there. He tells the people that relying on these things that will quickly fall away, will quickly dwindle, will be gone, and will need to be satisfied again. That this is not what we should be rejoicing about. This is not what we should be relying on. He reminds the people that we are to put our hope in things that have eternal value, that has staying power. You know, resting on our jobs, on our status, on our families, on our positions, on our government, you can continue on, whatever you want to say, is not the smart move. These things will change. These things will disappoint. These things will disappear. But better things are coming. An eternal, long-lasting promise is coming if we will hold out for that. The drenching of the Holy Spirit over our lives is far more life-changing and valuable than anything or any person could, could ever give you. Having the Holy Spirit pour over our lives will eternally change our lives and those around us. And this is the promise that God has given his people. The Holy Spirit is here waiting to drench us with his presence. He's waiting to drench us with his protection, his peace, his joy, his power. He's waiting for us to just say yes. He's waiting for us to surrender, to be open to receive the promise. He's here to pour out, not just little drops. He's here to drench us. And thirdly, I wanted to mention on on all people, verse 17, it says, In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. You know, it is soul-saving that the promise of the Messiah has come. It's life-giving that we don't have to settle for just little drops of God, but we can have it all of him. But this next part, it's truly life-liberating. The Messiah has come, and he began this new covenant with us, between us and God. He forever dealt with the sin issue. We no longer have to have that on our mind. We no longer have to carry the weight and the burden of sin like the people of the Old Testament had to do. They had to kill animals all the time in a certain way, at a certain time, at certain festivals. And if they didn't do it right, God said he wouldn't forgive them. We don't have to deal with that. God took care of that for us through the Messiah. But Jesus does not just care about the sin in our lives. 
He cares for our lives. And the Holy Spirit has come to bring us life. He wants us to live in hope and joy and peace. And he has come for all of us, all flesh, all people. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit was only for the Jews. And yet under the New Covenant, God is saying that the Spirit is here for all of us. It's for your sons and your daughters. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for every nation, all ranks, all sorts of people. It's for all ages, all conditions. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. The promise is for you. And this, ladies, is a huge step in society. In a society that classed women as a time when women were classed as useless, uneducated, property, this is amazing what God is saying here. In a time when other races had no value and that everyone else's, that your, own, your own race was the most important, this is huge. We can see how the Holy Spirit is not only just for men, but for women. We are told in, of Philip's daughters in Acts 21.9 that says how the, he had four daughters and they all prophesied. Isaiah 45 says, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for those who are old and young. It doesn't matter if you're old and past your vigor. If your spirit has seen decay, Christ is not discouraged by that, because he has promised the Holy Spirit for your life. It doesn't matter. He has promised to revitalize you. He has promised to give you a new step regardless of your age. It doesn't matter if you've been in church all your life and you start to wonder, is it really going to change? The Holy Spirit is here. He has promised and he is here. It doesn't matter if you're young and you have little acquaintance with the divine. He is here for you. You don't have to reach some kind of spiritual marker. You don't have to perform some kind of task or a certain amount of tasks before the Lord will say, okay, check, check, check. Yep, you can have that gift. No, the Holy Spirit is here for you. The Spirit has been promised to you. He's been promised to me. The Holy Spirit is for your men servants and your maid servants. The Holy Spirit will make no distinction whether you're rich or poor, slave or free. All flesh means everyone. In fact, the fact that this happened in the last days, the Spirit would be for everyone, is a humongous shift, like I said, in theology for the Jewish people. One commentary I read said this, that Jewish doctors would say the prophecy does not reside in anybody but the wise, the valiant, and the rich. It cannot rest upon the soul of the poor man or the man in sorrow. Galatians 3:28, however, says this, there is now no distinction, neither Jew or Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The promise of the Holy Spirit tells us there is nothing that we can do to earn this free gift. It is not because I'm better, I'm smarter, taller, stupider, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I have been promised this gift. You have been promised this gift. We can all receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit reminds us and those around us that we don't need to earn it. The love of, just the love of Jesus is why we get it. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. We're all in the same playing field. We all need the grace that the Messiah brings, and we all need the power that the Holy Spirit brings. The promise is for all of us.
In Luke 1, what we dub as the Christmas story, and I challenge you, I know this is like maybe a little heady, but maybe some of you will like this. When I heard this, I was just floored. And we're dub it. You know, we dub this the Christmas story in Luke 1. And I encourage you to read it. But even in Luke 1, he was showing us that the Holy Spirit has come and that Joel 2 was being fulfilled. And we can see it in the birth of the Messiah, which was the last days, which I already said in Luke 1, chapter, verse 12, it says that Zechariah, the old man, saw a vision. In verse 15, we're told that John the Baptist, a child, the young man, is filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. In verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary, the young woman of 13. And finally, we see Elizabeth, the old woman, in verse 41. She's filled with the Holy Spirit and she speaks. We've got the old man, Zechariah, the young man, John the Baptist, the old woman, Elizabeth, the young, man, the young woman, Mary. They all see visions. They all see dreams. They're all prophesying of the wonders of God. This is Joel 2. Jesus, the Messiah, has brought on the last days, and he has brought us the Holy Spirit. So now we come to the point of the message, and you're looking and you're thinking, okay, that's wonderful news, but really who cares, and what's the point? What does the Holy Spirit have to do with me? I think there's four things. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for all. When Jesus came, he took the stigma of feeling left out, and of not being important enough, and he chucked it out of the window. We do not have to do anything to earn God's favor. He loves us regardless. And the Holy Spirit has come. We can't earn him. We just have to accept him. The promise of the Holy Spirit is all-encompassing. The prophet of the Old Testament only received the drip of God's power, and yet we can have full access to God. We don't need to speak through a priest we don't have to go through a specific ritual. We can speak to God. We have direct line or access to the creator himself. And that means that when we call on him, he will answer. And thirdly, we are all capable. We've all been called to be witnesses. We've all been, because of the promise of the Holy Spirit, we've all been called to bring light to the dark. We've all been called to serve the body, to serve our neighbors, because of the promise of the Spirit. God wants us to tell other people about him. He wants us to be a witness to those around us. We just need to get out there and promote Christ. We just need to do it. We need to live a way that is way different than what the world is living. I was reading a, a story to my kids this week, and it was talking about Scotland and how the people of Scotland, they used to speak a, a, a language called Gaelic and how you could tell where someone was from just based on their dialect. We have that a little bit even here in Canada. Like, you can often tell someone from Newfoundland because of the way they speak. And it struck me, because I wonder, as Christians, can people tell that we are a believer by the way we speak, by the way we live, by the way we think? And because of the Holy Spirit, we're all capable of this. And so then, finally, the Holy Spirit is you know, he's for all. He's all-encompassing. We're all capable. And so now what are we all waiting for? It's up to us if we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit. It's up to us if we're going to ask him to baptize us today. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have broken down barriers of sex and of races and of age and that you are here for us. Not just to give us a little drop, but to drench us with your spirit. So Lord, I just pray today that you would you would speak to us. That you would show us and the Holy Spirit you would come. That you would bring power to us, Lord. Today, I'm just going to open the opportunity. I know that we have a meeting later, and don't be, don't be concerned about that. And today's your opportunity. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never been baptized by the Holy Spirit, and you'd like to pray for that, you can come up. Maybe you've been baptized before, but yet your bones feel dry, like the old man or the old woman. And you need to be revitalized. This is your opportunity. I would love to pray with you. The Holy Spirit is here. It's not some magical potion that you need to do. He is here waiting to fill you. The promise is yours. Let's sing, come if you want.